0: Welcome back to Morbid Universe. It seems our first episode was well received. Thank you all for listening. However, I think the topic was too broad. So why don't we go into a topic that I know a lot more about? Something that I've studied in. Something that I've actually known for years. But I've never had the deep dive. I've never been able to go through it in in depth. I would absolutely love to talk about what makes a serial killer, what makes a psychopath, the mentally insane, the one that we would look at and we would know there's something wrong. But before we do that, I want to ask some friends for their opinion on what comes to mind when they think of the word serial killer.
1: Sage here from Gaijin Bento with the first of what I hope to be many hot takes, starting with what comes to mind when I think of the word psychopath. (laughs) Psychopath. so i guess in the more traditional or serious take on that word when i think of a psychopath i think of somebody who probably doesn't have um any empathy emotional regulation or emotional intelligence so they're more likely to maybe hurt themselves or other people like serial killers folks that do really dangerous and kind of out there things and then of course the haha hee hee version <coughs> Which, not that I should be making light of this, but I will casually refer to people as psychopaths if they do things like, you know, wear socks with their sandals, or eat, you know, their steak with ketchup. It's like, come on, we have standards, people. So anyways, thank you for coming to my TED Talk, and thank you for having me on MeatWeat. You're the best.
2: What comes to mind when I hear the word serial killer? Well, I guess there's a couple of things. There's destroyed family members testifying in court. There's knives, weapons at a crime scene. There's sensationalized reports of what these people done being spread through the news like entertainment. But for me, when I think of a serial killer it's always the eyes you look at mugshots of these things Ted Bundy John Wayne Gacy the Night Stalker it's all the same they all have the same cold, black, lifeless eyes. Not the eyes of a person, but the eyes of a monster. And that's how, to me, you know that these guys are truly gone. Because when you look into those eyes... When you stare at those mug shots and have them stare back at you, there's nothing. Only the void.
0: There are spiders in Australia that smell and behave like ants. Some are so convincing that the ants will allow a spider to live permanently as one of them. The spider will then feast upon its new friends, but it won't eat all the ants, or even a significant number. Instead, it extracts resources slowly, sustainably, and over time. These are words from Daniel Jones on explaining what a psychopath is, one that blends into society very well. That's what we're going to talk about this week. Why would I pick such a topic to talk about? What is it about a psychopath that makes people curious? There's a lot of things. And the thing is, I've noticed that many people get a lot of things, a lot of things wrong about psychopaths. In fact, people, here's a very direct answer. Ted Bundy, you know, serial killers. Are they psychopaths? yes. Do psychopaths always murder people? The answer is no. In fact, in extreme cases, yes, they are serial killers. But people get this notion incorrect. However, that doesn't mean they're harmless. This is exactly why it's important to discuss this topic. There are 8,045,311,447 people alive today. 1% of the world population is a psychopath. Using the logic that we have here, that is 80,453,114 people. Now, 80 million, above 80 million, that is a massive number of psychopaths. If every single one of them was a serial killer, we would all be doomed. That's exactly why it's important to understand Psychopaths are not all serial killers. All serial killers are most likely psychopaths. And there's a thing that I wanted to bring up before we go further. Nick got something correct. The eyes. The eyes of a psychopath have been described as gazing into the eyes of a lizard. Cold. Emotionless. Psychopaths lack empathy. That's the main difference between a psychopath and a normal functioning human being. But how? How do you spot one? What's the difference between a psychopath and someone who's just very charismatic? It is incredibly difficult to understand the difference. However, maybe we can answer some of these questions today. From the words of The Sociopath Next Door, written by Martha Stroud, most psychopaths are not incarcerated. They are out here in the world with you and me. I wanted to bring these bullet points up, you know, quotes from books, not, not just so that you, that you realize that I've been actually doing a lot of research in this topic. The truth is, psychopathy is very well researched at this point. And what disturbs me the most, and what should disturb you the most of this study, is that a cure... Is there a cure to uh, psychopathy? Is there a cure to being a psychopath? There is an incredibly short chapter describing if there is a cure. The answer is no. There is no cure. Psychopathy is a disease. However, those who have the disease harness it. Why? They lack empathy. They will do anything to get more power. This is a main characteristic in a psychopath keep in mind keep that in mind that is number one they crave power now this could be legal power power of authority this could even be a a higher up manager who just you know they want to feel important the thing is it's the same game no matter what it's either a free lunch or world domination either way power over something or someone They wish to feel powerful. It is that simple. To become the puppet master, so to speak. This is characteristic number one of a psychopath. Characteristic number two would be the dead eyes. What do I mean by this? Think of it like this. If you could stare at someone in the eyes, and they have no emotion behind those eyes. As described earlier, the eyes, they will not show emotion. It is always the same emotion. You see it in people who cry. They have a look in their eyes. You see it in people who are scared. They have that look in their eyes. A psychopath will have but one staring. That's it. There's no emotion attached to the eyes. Characteristic number three is a very unique one in that they they know. A psychopath knows when they are a psychopath. Number three is incredibly important for them to have and it's very it's very difficult to find in someone because you never you're blindsided by this if it is done properly you will never understand number 3 and that is charismatic psychopaths are incredibly charismatic they have to be they have to blend in with society as best as they can they have to know exactly what to say and they're good at it they study it they practice it they look at your reaction and they learn. With age, they just get smarter, more intelligent, they know what to say. I want to go further into the topic of lacking of empathy. There is far more to it. And to be accurate, I need to give as much detail as possible. That's why these episodes were so long in the making. Lacking empathy doesn't just mean that they don't, they don't care about others. It is far worse than that. A psychopath is entirely incapable of love. They will view others as obstacles to get more things. They will view pawns. That's how they'll view people. They they don't view them as, this is my friend. No, they'll view them as, I'm treating you properly in order to get something out of it. And that is the only reason for it. I do not care if you live. I do not care if you die. You are just there to, to benefit me. To put it as blunt as possible, I could just say this. When it comes to emotions, they really have none other than ones they fabricate. If you need an example, let me put it this way A psychopath, or, yes, a psychopath in comparison to a regular person when it comes to describing a catastrophic event, something traumatic. Let's say there was a bad car crash. You have two people next to each other. One of them is a regular person, the other, a diagnosed and well-known psychopath. Both of them witnessed the same accident. One of them describes the accident. The, um, the normal person whose reactions to things are as as anyone would. They would describe it as if they were there. Something that they won't be able to forget easily because it was shocking, and they're, it's playing in their mind again. The psychopath, on the other hand, would describe the incident matter-of-factly, as if they just witnessed something that is completely normal. The shocking and stark difference will find many people almost upset with the reaction. There will be people who look at it in surprise, and that's, that's a key giveaway. Another term that I would use is calloused, a very calloused reaction. There are many people who know those people, that they'll say something, maybe they went to war, And they witnessed death. And they would say, I witnessed a man's eye burst out of his head. And he was holding it. He was still alive. And he walked back. Very bluntly, matter-of-factly put out there. Not an ounce of warmth in the tone. That's a a giveaway right there. Depending on which traits you see in people, it, it can be shocking for a lot of people when they've discovered that somebody they know is a psychopath. And here's another one. Characteristic number four. This one is more obvious. This one is far easier to see in people. So if you see this in someone, don't raise suspicion. Don't raise alarm. There isn't anything you could do about a psychopath unless they've actually broken a law. You know, unless they've actually committed some heinous act. Then yes, then it is time to act. However, most will not. It's that simple. In extreme cases, yes, but not all of them. To put it directly, psychopaths live by the pleasure principle. What does that mean? Let me put it this way. Psychopaths require constant stimuli. They do not like being bored. People with the pleasure principle may find themselves engaging in more rambunctious and more risky behavior. For example, gambling, alcoholism, drug abuse, extreme sports, things that would normally scare other people away. The psychopath craves this because It's the closest thing they feel to anything. It's a unique trait in many people. This is something that is, it's a complete red flag. It's something that if you see someone doing, you understand that there's something there. There's a reason for it. There's a chance that they're a psychopath. But again, only 1% of the population of the world is a psychopath. There's a number of reasons why it is important to know. When somebody is a psychopath and why. Number one, as mentioned previously, psychopaths want power over somebody. They want the authority. They want to be able to manipulate whoever they want. However, they're very charismatic about doing so. The difference is with a psychopath and a regular person, they wear a mask of sanity in social situations. It's not always easy to determine who is a psychopath. In fact, it is next to impossible. That's why when, when we talk about the percentage, you know, 1%, it might not be that accurate. That number might actually be far less or far more. We don't really know. And in studying psychopaths, I've learned that they're not very good at hiding it. Here's, here's the thing. They're good at hiding it if you don't know what to look out for. They leave clues. Because all human beings are clumsy. Here's the thing. Charismatic people are also very self-important. And this is another key moment. This is another key characteristic of a psychopath. Number five, self-importance. This is one of the hardest things for a psychopath to hide. Psychopaths cannot help but feel like they are superior to the rest of the humans around them because they understand that they lack empathy and they can get away with far more. They can manipulate people to hurting others. They can manipulate people to do their bidding. It could be as simple as having someone buy them a free lunch. It's that easy. To them, they have no sympathy, so they feel that a social stigma is removed from their shoulders. Therefore, they are above the common man. The problem is, this is playing in their head, right? So self-importance, which is one of the hardest things to hide. To summarize everything I just said, narcissism. They're very narcissistic. Very, very narcissistic. In determining who and who is not a psychopath, it's important to understand that a majority of the people you meet are sometimes just unusual. They're not going to be psychopaths just because, you know, they wear Crocs with, with socks. <laughs> it's, it, it's, I, I wish it was that simple to point them out. However, as stated previously, if you know what to look out for, then it is easy. Or at the very least, it could be learned. Because there's another mask of sanity that they have, another slip of the sanity mask. They are unable, they're very, they, they have a hard time keeping a narrative. So, trait number six, coherent narratives are difficult for them. This one at first was difficult to explain. However, I just realized that there is actually a very, there's a very noticeable story, a very famous one at this point. Everyone listening from Australia, you're going to know this. So it'll be easier for you to understand. For those who do not, please look this up. Belle Gibson, that's B-E-L-L-E, Gibson, was a woman who was an influencer. And the thing is, this person is famous for one thing, she lied about having cancer. In fact, her story was inconsistent. People were pointing out issues with it. People were pointing out that a doctor that she said she witnessed or that she spoke to who said that she had cancer used a quote-unquote medical device, but she never went into detail. She said it had buttons and gadgets, and she stuck with that narrative, but she just kept switching stuff around it made no sense. She lied about her birthday for some reason. And that's the thing. Inconsistency. One of the key details. It's very blatant if, only if, you're taking notes on what the person says. So if somebody says, my birthday's on January 5th, 2000, you know, 2000 period. And then later on, they say, my, my birthday's actually January 9th of uh, 2004. And you know, it's unprompted, then yeah, it'll it'll be something that you notice. That's a red flag. It's not a definitive, you know, it's not a definitive factor, but it's a red flag. It's one of those things. It's one of those ticks where after you hear that, you think, okay, I need to keep hearing this person out. I need to be sure. Because this is one of the more obvious ones. In this same principle of incoherency, there is a very easy way A very easy, direct way to get an answer. If you're not sure if someone's being inconsistent, do this. Ask them a question with a straightforward answer. If they cannot answer with a straightforward answer, then there is something wrong. It's a question, you know, a very simple question. Try to figure one out. And if they can't give one, a a direct answer, or if they give an answer that has nothing to do with what you just said... That's another red flag. This one is easier to find, but it's not the most definitive one. This is why it's important to know your enemy. There are a number of factors that go into making a psychopath, okay? I'm glad that we established that, and I'm glad that I'm giving you ways to figure out how someone is a psychopath. There's a, there's a more blatant, obvious one. And the problem is, this one, I, I must admit, it got... It got me scratching my head because it made me think there must be some cultural reason behind it. However, when talking, if somebody's using excessive hand movements, that's, that's a red flag right there as well. And the reason being is because there's uh, the psychopaths. This, this is how their brains are wired, where if they're thinking of something, they'll move their hands around in order to, to answer directly. Or in order for them to get an answer out. The way they'll think of an answer is by moving their hands around. And they'll think of something. But while they're thinking and talking, they'll be moving their hands around. The reason I thought this was some sort of a cultural reason is because I thought, don't Italians do that? Aside, like, jokes aside. I believe that's an Italian stereotype. And, you know, I I think of Tony from The Sopranos. It makes you think, doesn't it? Now, these hand movements can also double as what I would consider the veil. You know, it's a veil. It's a, it's, a, it's a distraction. You're moving your hand saying, you know, while you're giving an inconsistent answer, move your hands around. People will look at your hands. They'll be distracted by your hands, and they won't fully listen to what you just said. That way, when they hear what you said, it makes more sense because you weren't fully listening. You know what I mean? Do you understand? What we discussed was just seven ways of... Seven characteristics of a psychopath. When it comes to actually finding them, well, you better hope that you're never the receiving end of one. Because many of them, when they do know about their their issues, they'll go into research, they'll study what what's wrong with them, and they'll just... They'll be okay with it. A lot of the people need to, uh, a lot of people need to understand this psychopaths form naturally they're i would say a genetic mutant you know it there's a one percent chance of you being born as one and yet the thing about it is you can treat a child properly but if they're born as a psychopath no matter how well you treat that child they're still a psychopath there's a big chance it can't feel love empathy And they feel themselves more important than anyone else. This is important to understand. Sometimes, or rather, a majority of the time, I would argue argue 100% of the time, psychopaths can't be stopped. When they're born, they're born. You could treat a child as good as you want to, but a psychopath will always be one, nonetheless. Because it's a genetic issue that that part of their brain just isn't there this is the sad reality of the psychopath not all the time you know this is this is a psychopath's mindset they don't have empathy and that's that's really it the thing is every person's life is dictated by their personal decisions some people who are born psychopaths will think okay i can use this to my advantage others will think I'm sick, I need to learn how to behave, and then there are those horrible, horrible few that think, I, I want to feel alive, so I will take someone else's life. These are the people that are becoming, you know, they will grow into a psychopathic killer. And I believe it's time to switch up a bit and talk about the things that people want to know about. For example, what is a serial killer's, you know, mindset? I think we should, jump gun, we should jump the gun and talk about that, because a lot of people who think psychopaths think of serial killers, which, again, I wanted to disclose that not all psychopaths are serial killers. There is, there's a majority of people who actually become serial killers who are not. That's actually a, a very common thing, because nowadays, what we can do is use drugs, psycho, uh, psychoactive drugs, or some sort of stimulant that will inhibit or block that part of your brain so you won't feel anything when you're fighting someone you'll you know fighting or killing or doing anything like that basically your brain becomes numb to these emotions and it's it's the disturbing reality of this world but nonetheless i think it's time to talk about a serial killer because a lot of people want to know what can we do you know how do you spot one things of the like There are quite a few giveaways, in fact. A lot of people do know how to spot them, but let's go into detail on every one. A lot of people already know that serial killers, specifically serial killers, not psychopaths, but serial killers will have traumatic childhoods, will have uh, miscommunications, will have issues with with their parents, things of the like. Does this mean they're a psychopath? Absolutely not. A lot of people are unfortunately just dealing with trauma from childhood, which step one is that. You'll have a parent who's overbearing. Specifically a parent who will not let you have friends. This in tow is actually a it'll the side effect will be antisocial behavior, which is another giveaway. Another one which I've actually in, in my research I noticed that a lot of people will point out that children will harm animals and you know, they'll they they they'll harm a lot of them, in fact. Joseph Stalin, as a matter of fact, was one of, one of these people who would grab flies and pull off the wings, you know, ripping off a vital bit of their flesh and letting him just crawl around on the ground, unable to fly anymore. Why is this? Well, the main reason is this. A child who does not feel like they're in control of anything will feel in control of an animal, because an animal is helpless and... These this goes for smaller animals, okay? Normally, bugs, rats, things of the like, small things, snakes. There's there's quite a bit. If you like hunting, that's a different story. But th- we're talking about people who will go out of their way to torture little animals, you know, and not just not just hunting them and going, okay, it's dead, let's throw it away. No, I'm talking about your dis dis dismembering of. Animals. I, if I sound like I'm struggling, it's because it's disgusting what I had to look up. I just, I don't know. It really gets to looking up what's se- um what serial killers are capable of doing. It's just disturbing. And another thing that's disturbing is a lot of people tend to forget one very key detail. This is no longer well, this detail. This next one is not referring to children. You know, seven to nine. Uh, This is more early teens. Some children going out to young adults who are going to grow up to become serial killers are fascinated, bordering on pyromaniac, obsessed with starting fires. The reason being is because it is a destructive act that they can control. There's that term again, okay? Control. The animals that they hurt as well Would have to be something bigger, okay? When when I I mentioned rats earlier, but this is this is uh less common, you know, smaller animals. You know, a lot of people kill them. It's out here where we're from anyway. It's it's different because we have a lot of field mice. We kill them, and I thought, well, there's no psychopaths out here. There's not a lot of serial killers, and I looked it up. I misspoke. It is not rats. It is cats, which is much more disturbing to me. And yes, I have seen videos in the past where young young men would torture cats. It was disturbing. I absolutely... I'm sickened by it. And I am happy to report that these people were caught and interrogated, you know, investigated further into, into their issues before they could have developed into a serial killer. It's just disturbing to me because I... As I was doing research, an image of the old video came up. There's a video of a cat in a bag... And this psychopathic child, who was developing incorrectly, placed a hose into the bag. I do not want to go into detail, but that cat did not survive. And the child smiled through the whole thing. That was the most disturbing thing for me, okay? If you see a child doing this, that is a very clear, bright, very bright red flag. That is unmistakable evidence of a a serial killer being born in the making. And the sad part is for a lot of these children, you can't tell their parents anything, okay? That's the sad part about it. A lot of their parents will be overbearingly controlling as well. Some of them incredibly religious fundamentalists, but that's something I don't wanna I don't wanna discuss. Let's let let's let's rewind a bit. Let's discuss what we've discussed so far. In terms of bullet points. So you have so you have a guide here. You've got a guide and, you know, you could write it down or you could just memorize it. So when it comes to serial killers, number one, antisocial behavior. And this is a trait of theirs. Number two, arson. Okay, you're with me so far. Number three, torturing animals. Number four is a troubled family history. So, you know, a lot of a lot of children who are brought up in families that are incredibly messed up. And alongside family histories, you know, troubled family history specifically, we want to mention child abuse. It does fall in that category because a lot of children were beat, but a lot of them, a lot of these uh, that grew up to be serial killers would be beat excessively for things that they didn't even do or their parents were just really, really, you know, drunk and they were just hitting their kids. It's a very sad reality of this world that children who – Need a nurturing father and a mother who need the love, the warmth of a, of a family, don't get that. They won't get it. And as a result, they become monsters. They become the monsters that they're treated as. You know, they, they, become, they become serial killers. And it's just it's such a sad reality of this world. Going off on a tangent a bit, why even have fucking children if you're not going to treat them right? If you are a mother and a father and you beat your children, I hope to God that there is a warm, toasty, burning spot in hell for you. There is. There's just a big spike for you to sit on. And there's just no there's just just nothing for you in this world. I hope you get your just desserts, or at the very least, or preferably I hope you change your ways. I don't want to cast dispersions upon anybody, but there are some people in the world who birth serial killers as a result of them having children they were not ready for or did not want. So if you're going to have kids, be ready. Because it could literally be life and death. And this is coming from me personally, who is thinking of having kids soon. You heard me right. Returning to the list, we have another one here, one that is creepy. Um, I mean creepy, but, you know, it's, it's serial killers. What do you expect? Voyeurism. If you don't know what that is, think of the term Peeping Tom. Basically, these are the people that would sneak up to windows whenever, whenever it was nighttime or they weren't being seen, and they would just peek into people's houses. They wanted to see, you know, without being seen. It's very creepy. This is actually one of the key things that Ted Bundy did. That would be uh, number five on the list. Number six would be substance abuse. Serial killers tend to abuse substances. We already know of Jeffrey Dahmer abusing alcohol, becoming an alcoholic in high school. That's absurd, right? And another reason for the uh, another reason for it being unusual is because he was such an alcoholic that it actually kicked him out of a lot of, you know, it kicked him out of high school, the military, some of his jobs. It was it was a bit much. If you guys seen the documentary, you know what you're talking about. A lot of people watch that show on Netflix, so they have a general idea of how bad he was when it comes to drinking. What disturbs me though, okay, aside from everything we were talking about, I knew somebody like that, so. I'm just waiting for the end result. When I was in high school, I knew somebody who was just like that. In fact, they showed me how they did it. They had mixed drinks. So they had a crap ton, just an absolute shit ton of vodka in a Powerade bottle. And they would drink that in high school, like in the middle of class. They would be drunk throughout the day. So... There is a chance that I bump shoulders with a future serial killer. In fact, it's been years now. He might actually, he might actually be one. It's, it's, a, it's a disturbing thought, but again, this is the reality of our world. Another key feature. Serial killers are usually very smart. In fact, Edmund Kemper was actually almost a genius with his IQ of, what was it, 136. Almost there, a brilliant man. But he was a serial killer. And that's just that that's just the reality of it. Number this is number seven on the list, by the way. Number seven, characteristic. They are geniuses. Serial killers are normally very, very smart. I just, you know, I wish they would use that intelligence for something else. Number eight, which is probably one of the biggest red flags for a serial killer. Biggest like by biggest I don't mean that it's oh it's such a bad thing. By biggest, I mean it's the most obvious, as in If you see someone with this trait, keep an eye on them. They can't keep a job. Number eight on this list is they cannot keep a job. And there's a number of reasons for it. Number one is actually that they're actually quite lazy when at work. They just don't want to be at work. Number two is they're usually focused on their next victim, which Jeffrey Dahmer is actually famous for that because while he was supposed to be at work, he'd scope out other people. On top of that, Jeffrey Dahmer also had bodies in the shower, the shower that he was supposed to use to get ready for work, which took up a lot of his time. It's disturbing, but again, the reality of our world. Now, let's go back and actually look over the list, okay? So if you got a pen, you know, pull it out, write, write this down. Number one, serial killers are antisocial. Number two, serial killers want or they love arson. They're, they're arsonists. Number three, they torture animals. Number four, troubled family history. Number five, substance abuse. Number six, peeping toms. Number seven, smart. Number eight, cannot keep a job. These are the defining features of a serial killer. I want you to notice one thing, though. Nowhere on this list, not a single one, does it say that a serial killer is a psychopath. Very different, I know. Having said that, let us discuss why, okay? It's a very unique circumstance. For example, we mentioned earlier that a troubled childhood is one of the major issues with a serial killer. Why, why is that? What does that have to do with it? Well, let me tell you. During early childhood, the prefrontal cortex is still developing. The child's brain has not fully developed yet. The problem is it's also the most vital time for development. If a child is beaten, if a child is subdued to horrible treatment, they will remember it. It will affect the prefrontal cortex. What is the prefrontal cortex? It is a part of the brain that allows us to feel empathy. Are you understanding now? So, by proxy, this child who was born perfectly healthy but was raised improperly becomes a psychopath because of circumstance. Many serial killers are psychopaths, remember that, but it's not the other way around. In fact, some serial killers will have remorse for what they've done, but they've done it anyway. Why? Why is that? Well, there's one more key feature that separates the psychopath from the serial killer. We must discuss it, if if only to understand the final key difference. And that is, humans are wired. We are wired to be, what's the term? We are wired to snap. This is a biological part of our brain where if we are pushed enough, if we're pushed to the limit, we will snap, we will act, and then we will blindly go into a rage. This is actually a number of... This is very common. Let me bring up some statistics. The number is significantly higher than I expected. I had done some research on this earlier, and again, it's, it's disturbing, so sometimes I have to take a break, but... The truth is half of people who are killed, half of people who are murdered specifically, it's not by a serial killer, but it's by a romantic partner out of jealousy. So 50% of these murders are not a serial killer. They're not even a criminal. It's someone you know and love who, again, blind jealousy or a fit of rage that was brought on by some misfired wires in their brain. It's disturbing. There's this thing, right, where men and women will – they'll be jealous of their partner, and that will cause them to do some evil stuff. You know, they'll, they'll tell them – you know, they'll, they'll kill them, basically. Okay, but this brings up another, another, okay, platform, which is more realistic when it comes to murder. When it comes to people dying, you know, by the hands of their lovers, there's a thing that people need to understand. There are signs that are blatantly obvious. Number one, if your partner, this is for women and men, okay? If your partner is telling you how to dress, that is a, that is a telltale sign that you need to get out of the relationship immediately. It's a way of control. Remember that term, control. What did, what did we mention earlier? That psychopaths want control. Serial killers want control. All of a sudden, your partner wants to control you. Interesting, right? Right. This is actually a side effect of jealousy because they're looking at you thinking, well, I don't want people to see you like that. But they're controlling you. Do you understand now? Okay. Number two, they'll be asking you to not go out with friends, period. They want to remove the the social aspect of you as a person, which think of it this way. What did we mention that psychopaths earlier Do that. What they go through. I meant serial killers. (laughs) See, you get these things messed up. You get these things mixed up because they're incredibly similar. But I meant serial killers. Serial killers have this this similar thing happen to them when their parents when their parents tell them they can't have friends. There is a lot of correlations. You see, there's a pattern here. Okay, with both psychopaths, serial killers, and now the jealous, you know, the jealous boyfriend, girlfriend, even husband and wife at some point or husband and husband, you know. But it's these are very common. Let's back up one more time and discuss similarities between all of these lists because I have the list for serial killers, the list for psychopaths, and I have the list for marital and you know, spousal issues. We have again Antisocial personalities, number two, controlling. Well, I, I'm seeing arson here for the psychopaths. Since, um, psychopaths, you know, arson, not so much serial killers or the spousal one. So that one, specifically only for psychopaths. That one, see, we're learning here. Psychopaths start fires. That's the key difference between a psychopath, a serial killer, and a, a really angry spouse. Let's look at the list again. Neglect or abuse as children. That's another one. Psychopaths and serial killers. Can it be attributed to an angry um, an angry spouse? It can or it cannot be. It really depends. The importance here is the prefrontal cortex. You know, mental health, basically. That's pretty much it. You see, the similarities are minute. When it comes to all three of them, it's very different, right? because they're not all similar. They all have very unique traits. And quite frankly, they're all very different. But every single one of these will harm you. That's why it's important to know the difference. And quite frankly, you may never need these lists, you know, you may never need to know the difference between all of them. But at the same time, every single one of them offers their own subtlety, their own nuances, and quite frankly, their own risks. And it's it's important for us to know the difference between a serial killer, a psychopath, and an abusive spouse, mainly because there's, you know, you, you want to stay alive, you know, Put it, putting it bluntly. A psychopath may be someone you interact with professionally, okay, especially if you work in a higher-end job, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not suggesting anything, but a majority of people who are psychopaths tend to work in office, as in political power, Why? Because it's very fitting, you know? It's very fitting that they work a job where they they have a lot of power over people's lives, which is something they wanted. And a serial killer is quite the opposite, where they will have very menial jobs. They'll have jobs where they maybe work fast food. They'll work for not a full nine-to-five, basically. They'll work part-time jobs, and they won't won't really make ends meet that much. And, in fact, serial killers, um, a lot of them actually live with their parents. Again, mentioning Jeffrey Dahmer, you saw in the you saw in the documentary he lived with his grandma and his mom and dad. You know, it's it's just rather than making ends meet, they they have their own goals. You know, they're already dealing with a lot of traumas from the past, a lot of substance abuses, and they're scoping out their next victims. But at the same time, these are I I'm not sure what the correlation is, but for some reason, these serial killers are all geniuses. It's never explained why. You know? What in this this is one thing that I've been looking at, researching as well as I can, and it is very difficult to understand. This is one thing I cannot answer. Why are they smart? I don't know. It it might be a it may be a byproduct of their prefrontal cortex not working properly. I don't know. But I know one thing. A lot more research has to be done, and a lot more will be done. And now we come. To the the moment of truth. The reason that this episode took so long is because in order for me to talk about the last part, I had to face my fears. I have a crippling fear of developing schizophrenia, and the reason being is because I've been to an insane an insane asylum once. Sorry, I didn't mean to stutter so much. I'm just on edge. I've seen the worst. I've I've seen people completely become hollow husks, unable to understand where they're at, what they're doing, how old they are, what their name is, what gender they are, what planet we're on. Understanding is no longer a thing for them. The term understanding or even understanding in general. There is another we have psychopaths okay we understand that now a little better anyway we have serial killers so we understand a bit more spousal issues we didn't touch on it too much but we'll talk about more we'll talk about it more later because it's the biggest killer but at the same time what it is is it's not serial killers it's individual killers as in they'll kill one person and then they'll go to jail that's it the final one is terrifying to me not because I can't comprehend it, but because I've seen it. I have personally seen people with schizophrenia and delusions. People who swear that they hear voices. This is, this is the most minute, okay? Most people who have schizophrenia will seek help. A lot of them will. For those unfortunate few who have not, they will get to a point where they start to hear voices and delusions. In fact, there was a famous case of a person who, terrifyingly enough, thought he was being spoken to by God to kill certain people or the world would end. Doesn't make any sense to someone with sound of mind, right? Well, imagine a reality where your brain is so fried, your brain is so eaten away at, that this is completely normal to you and you don't question it. Without a second thought, you just plunge your hand into somebody's heart and pull it out. That is terrifying. That's not only terrifying, it's real. It's happened. It's scary to me, okay? And I'm not just I'm, – I'm recording in the middle of the day because I was scared to do it at night. But I still remember the, the, the asylum. This is a place where the criminally insane would go. I almost worked here. But instead, I had to go through and actually see them, right? Actually interact with these people. It wasn't easy. I did it. I did not get the job. I'm glad I didn't because I feel like I would have lost my sanity working there. But I, I saw it. I saw these people and I understood a bit more. What's there to understand? There is nothing you can do about it. That is the scariest thing about it for me. With most, with most things in life, if you can't do anything about it, it's a big whoop. If you can do something about it, you do it. In this specific case, you can't do anything about it other than run. That is the biggest fear of mine, okay? Because I know a lot of people who I can outrun, great for me, but I don't want to outrun them, okay? When it comes to someone who's a paranoid schizophrenic, who will, seek, you know, who will seek to do harm, in their minds, they have already decided, you are next. That is fucking scary. Now, there is one thing that we mentioned earlier. Schizophrenia, right? The The disease, paranoid schizophrenia specifically, may go undiagnosed in some people. And we mentioned that serial killers, not all of them are psychopaths. Some of them have paranoid schizophrenia. These are the ones that cannot be reasoned with. You can't determine... You, you can easily see that they do have something wrong with them, okay? But these are the the... The cream of the crop. These are the most terrifying. Because you never know what they're thinking. What their rationale is for it. But how can you really rationalize murder? You can't really. The taking of another life. You're taking literally everything from them. Everything they could ever be. Opportunity. Life. Love. Anything. You know? And the schizophrenic murderers. Which... Let me remind you, it is less than 1%, less than less than 1%. It is a tiny minute amount. I couldn't even find the number in my research because it is, whenever they're diagnosed, they're getting help. That's the important thing about it. But most of the time, it'll it'll be undiagnosed. And sometimes when it is diagnosed, it's when they're already in a prison and it's too late. So what can you do? I'm sorry to say maybe all you can do is Make sure your your lo- doors your your doors at home are locked. I don't know why I said it like that. You know, I do know why I said it like that because this this topic scares me, okay? Maybe it's different when you've actually dealt with people like that. Anyway, make sure your doors are locked when you leave the house. check for unusual activity around your neighborhood. and if someone you know and love is suddenly behaving differently, if maybe they're disappearing for long periods of time. There could be something there. You never know. And you never truly know what someone's intentions are, you know? I am very glad that we were able to discuss the psychopath, the serial killer, and the variety of others. But the truth is, we have yet to scratch the surface. We haven't even gone to the religious fundamentalists, the ones who believe they're doing stuff for a higher power. Men and women have always been in each other's throats, trying to kill each other constantly. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's bizarre, okay? I can't summarize it in 10 minutes. I can't summarize it in an hour. I can, however, try to research it and tell you guys more about it. When it comes to discussing things of this nature, it's very important to keep an open mind. What I mean by that is there are people who are antisocial, who are not serial killers or psychopaths, there are people who are just very quiet. There are people who you will think are a serial killer, psychopath, people who are unusual, but that's just how they are. That's just their traits. Not everyone who is strange and unusual is going to be a person of this nature. They're, not every person has it in them to hurt another being. There are people, on the other hand, that you would think would never hurt a fly or too charismatic. People who everyone loves and they can absolutely get away with it they can absolutely do stuff in in this manner. The problem is there are still traits and characteristics that a lot of people have that will come up as a red flag but are what I call a red herring. The reason I wanted to specify this is because the nature of this episode is very dark and, you know, far be it for me to say anything other than it's it's morbid universe. Welcome to the show. But at the same time, I don't want to scare people. I don't want to fearmonger. That is not something I want to do. I want people to be educated on what they can look out for, and I want people to understand. I want to bring you back to reality, so to speak. That's why I'm doing this near the end of the episode. I want you to understand. People are weird. There are billions of people in the world. Every single person is unique. Every single person has weird characteristics. Some people are strange, but they might be the nicest person you've ever met. Me personally, I've met so many people that I looked at and I thought they're definitely a serial killer or they're definitely a psychopath. Only to turn out that they're very nice people. There are people that, again, they'll come off as strange sometimes. Some people just don't have the same intonation. Some people just don't know how to talk. And that's okay. Some people have weird hobbies. That's fine too. And then there are people that I mentioned before. The schizophrenics that I, um, that I recently, not even recently, this was years ago. That I've dealt with personally. That's the word. The thing is, I I didn't know they were schizophrenic. I just thought they were unusual. You never know the intentions of another person. You never know what their brain is like. You never know how they're wired to react, to respond. You never know their intentions, period. However, I just want to try. I want to attempt to make a guide of some sort. The world is scary enough when it comes to things of... Themes of murder, themes of death, because ultimately we all die at the end. mental Mori, we all die. And that that that's the problem. There is that you shouldn't live your life fearing death. It will come. It will it will come no matter what. Rather, don't fear death. Fear the opportunities you will miss. I wanted to clear up things before before I ended the episode because the last thing I want to do. Is have you scared to go out there. There is a major issue with other podcasts that that tell people you know about all these serial killers and stuff. And they'll make you scared. They'll probably have you shaking in your boots at night. I don't want to be the person responsible for your nightmares. I just want to be the one who informs you. Okay? I I wouldn't be able to sleep good at night knowing I was responsible for a number of nightmares. I did not want to do that. I did not seek to scare you from living your best life. I want you to go out there, regardless of what happens in life, you need to go out there and do stuff, okay? Go talk to that guy or girl. Go, you know, go explore somewhere new. I don't want you guys fearing something that may never happen to you or something that is a tragedy when it does happen. Tragedies happen in life. It's gonna happen, but they're not all gonna be this drastic, okay? you're not going to be the next victim of Ed Gein or you know Ted Bundy you're you're not going to be the next victim i say that but at the same time there's a chance that doesn't mean it's going to happen it means there's a chance but there's a chance of anything happening you could get struck by lightning while listening to this episode okay did it happen see you're fine try something new okay get out of your comfort zone go live your best life i'm saying this as someone who was scared for years because I, I researched things a lot. I actually had to face one of my fears when making this episode. As I spoke, I was, my fear was dealing with a schizophrenic, you know, a paranoid schizophrenic murder or or at the worst me getting schizophrenia. But the thing is, I did it. I recorded this episode and it's out in the world now. You have to face your fears. That's the thing, right? And another thing that I wanted to bring up before we end these things, we often forget in our fears that we have this lovely thing in our bodies called adrenaline. So when shit does hit the fan, if you ever are in a situation we you have to deal with a serial killer or a psychopath, no matter how strong you are, we all have this thing. We all have adrenaline. And when push comes to shove, Fight or flight's gonna kick in, that adrenaline's gonna fill your blood, and you're gonna be able to do some absolutely monumental things that you never thought capable of. I mean, adrenaline is nature's final solution, final blow, you know? It it basically it, it makes sure that you're gonna live to see another day. When animal humans are animals, when we are pushed to the limit, we have some extraordinary features. And I say this as someone who's seen people survive things that you would, be sh- you would be shocked to see. Because of certain laws, I can't say the name of this person, but I remember seeing somebody covered in blood. And, you know, from head to toe, like, re- it was their blood. They had anti, I can't even go into the details. But if this person survived with, without a scratch, almost, almost just fine. I never understood how they did it. I've seen things, okay? I've seen some of the darker sides of the world, and I've seen some of the brighter things. And I can tell you right now, humans are very hard to kill. Humans are—they want to live, and they will fight tooth and nail to do it. The reason for this episode, truly, is so that you have the tools and resources to see, so that you can look and think, okay, this person might be a red flag. If that helps, if this helps even one person, I will be happy. If this taught you something new, I will be happy. It actually taught me some new stuff because I had to go and research things that I haven't learned in a while. Because, you know, I went to school for some of these things. That's going to do it for this episode of Morbid Universe. We will return to this topic. Why? Because there's quite a lot to learn. I couldn't cover half of it in this episode. We, we can absolutely go back. We can look more into things. We can even prevent, you know, we can try and prevent you from being the next victim of somebody. You want to know why? Because I care. All right. I'll see you all when I see you all next. Don't know when that's going to be. But I guarantee you that it's going to be much sooner than this episode because admittedly, I've been very busy. With quite a bit. In fact, I was just hit by a hurricane. Didn't feel it as much as I thought it would. I, as much as I thought it would. However, it still hit. I can now brag about a hurricane hitting my house and me surviving it. Anyway, stay safe and be vigilant, but don't be paranoid. Don't scare yourself into a locked room and stay there. Get out there and live life. Goodbye.